Hey, this is Welby Pierce. I'm the lead pastor of Hope Rising Church. I want to thank you for listening today. I hope it inspires you, hope it builds your faith, and hope it gives you perspective to see how God is moving in your life. I hope you enjoy the message. That we could come to you and declare the goodness and the greatness of our God. That you would come after us, Lord, even when maybe we have turned our back or maybe even when we have ran from you. Lord, that you have not forgotten about us, that we've always been on your mind, that we can call you our friend and not just our friend, but our very best friend. And today we are grateful for that. We're grateful for your presence. We're grateful for your anointing. We're grateful for the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit that is so evident and present in this place right now. And so, Lord, we pray that you would go before us and, Lord, as the word goes forth, Lord, that it would land on fertile soil today. Lord, that you would soften our hearts. Lord, that you would prepare us, Lord, to hear what you would have for us today. And we love you and we thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, come on, give the Lord one more hand clap and ovation of praise today. Yeah, he's so good. He's so good. Come on, why don't you high five about three or four people around you and let them know, come on, God is good. Come on, tell them he loves you today. He loves you. He loves you today. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Man, so good. Hey, I'm Pastor Welby, lead pastor here at this awesome church. Man, I'm so thankful for what God is doing. And if we've not had a chance to meet you yet, can I tell you that my wife and I uh, would love to be able to meet you after service uh, at the Next Steps booth. And I just put a name with a face. Love to connect with you. And I would love, just more than anything, just to, hey, we want you to know our hearts and just we love to do life with people. And so uh, today would be a great day to do that. And uh, man, we'd love to, to, to meet you. So, hey, uh, let's, let's dive in today. Uh, we are in our series called New You, New Relationships. Would you say that with me? New You, New Relationships. If you haven't been with us over the past few weeks, we actually started the year uh, called New Year, New You. And we have focused on really just this whole entire year will be a year of where we focus on us being healthy, where we're getting emotionally healthy and spiritually healthy and mentally healthy, uh, physically healthy. Uh, we are working on, on just being just a healthy body, a healthy people. And so we're going to continue that today as we're in this series. Uh, if you've missed any of the messages or messages of last year, uh, man, I, I would love for you to go check our podcast out. But also, maybe uh, maybe you'd like to listen to it on our website. Can I tell you that it's on, it's live on our website? Uh, just of the past few days, uh, we've had a team working tirelessly and hard at making it work and making it look good and fresh. And so uh, you can go to our website now, uh, myhoperising.co slash messages. So there's a link up there. You can click as well, uh, but you could click that and you can listen to uh, the series or any message that maybe you missed or you want to go back to and listen to. It's all there. I would love for you to do that. So uh, week one, two weeks ago, uh, as we started this series out, we went with this idea that Christ may be in your heart, but grandpa is still in your bones. Where Christ is in your heart and, and we've, we've given our lives to Jesus, we follow Jesus, maybe we're saved, 
But grandpa still lives in our bones. Some of the some of the old habits, some of the negative scripts we talked about are still bothering us and still are that we're having to deal with today. And so we we navigated that some. Last week we talked about unmet expectations and how there relationally there is uh, a difference between a covenant love and a consumer love. And so, uh, like I said, if you missed that, man, go back and make sure you catch that on the podcast. But today we're going to talk about strategic friendships. Strategic friendships. How many know there's some, man, we all are in need of some strategic friendships. No matter what stage of life you're in, whether you're a teenager or whether you're a young adult or whether you're 60 years old, there we are in need of some strategic friendships. And so the question that will kind of will kind of catapult from today is this question uh, that you can lean in on and it's this, who knows your story, your struggle and your secrets? Well, we need strategic friendships because somebody in your life needs to know your story, they need to know your struggle, and they need to know your secrets. Secrets destroy people. Secrets destroy marriages. Secrets destroy relationships. In fact, somebody once said, you're only as sick as your secrets. Yeah. And so we want to talk about this for the next little bit on, on why strategic friendships are so important and how do we do this and, and why do we do this? How do we embrace this? And so we're going to dive into uh, a popular passage of scripture today that if you grew up in church, you've probably uh, have definitely read this or heard it. Even if you didn't grow up in church, you're here today. Uh, this is probably something that you've heard of, uh, but this is the story of David and Bathsheba, David and Bathsheba. In 2 Samuel uh, chapter 11, uh, we'll start reading. David has already been anointed king. He is king here. And so uh, it says, in the springtime, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab, sent him out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. Now you need to realize that, that when it was wartime, that the kings didn't stay in the palace. The kings would actually go with, their, with the army and they would go and, and fight battle with the army. So where was David though? He was home. He was chilling, watching Netflix, checking the gram, getting on his TikTok. Come on. But where was he supposed to be? He's supposed to be in battle. He's supposed to be at war. Can I tell you that we get in trouble when we are not where we're supposed to be? Some of you may already know where I'm going with this. We'll get there in a minute. But, but when you and I are not where we're supposed to be, that's where Taylor Swift comes in and we got some trouble. Trouble. Trouble, you know what I'm talking about? Like, 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 look to your neighbor and ask him, Where you at? Come on, look to your other neighbor, say, Say, Where you at? Where are you supposed to be? I, I thought about this check yourself before you wreck yourself, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, you, like you need to make sure you're where you're supposed to be. So, David's king, but but in, in this 
at this moment in time, he, he's getting older. Like David is probably a little bit beyond the time where David is, is fighting and, and slinging swords and, you know, shooting nines and all this stuff. Like, like he's a little bit beyond that. He's not the young king that he once was or he used to be. And, and he's kind of bored. He's kind of just like, ah. And can I tell you that the enemy does some of his worst work in your life when you are bored? Fellas, guys, can I get your attention for a moment? The enemy does some of his worst work in our lives when we long-term find ourselves being bored. You weren't made to sit around and to do nothing. You weren't made just to sit around and just, ah, like we gotta not be bored. We need to find ourselves doing because when we are, the enemy comes in like a flood. And so David, he's a little bored. He's not where he's supposed to be. And so in verse two, it says one evening, now listen, just check this. Don't, don't let this, don't glaze over this. One evening, David got up from his bed. What are you doing sleeping all afternoon? Like, I don't know, maybe it was a Sunday after church. Maybe it was a Sunday nap. I don't know, but the Bible doesn't say that. It says one evening, I don't know about you, but I normally sleep between the hours of around 10.30 or 11 at night to about 6 or 6.30 in the morning. Like, like, those are my hours. Like, in the evening. I'm not waking up in the evening. It doesn't say that he pulled an all-nighter. It doesn't say that he just worked a graveyard shift. It says, one evening, David got up from his bed. He's been bored. He's sleeping. Maybe, maybe even David is depressed. And he gets up from bed and he walks around on the roof of the palace. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. Everybody say, uh-oh. All right. The woman was very, she was smoking hot. All right. That's what the, 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 the message version says, or the well-be version anyways. She was hot. All right. She was beautiful. And David sent some recon out to find out about her. So the man said, his servant he said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah, the Hittite. So David, he's not where he's supposed to be. He's bored. He's depressed, maybe, if I read into this a little bit. And he looks up, and there's a naked woman in front of him. All right, that wasn't his wife. She was nice to look at. And David went and took a servant and said, go find out about this lady. And so the servant, what the servant's role was here is get this, the servant was putting up a roadblock for David. The servant tries to be like, yo, wait up just a moment, don't go there. That is Bathsheba. Her daddy is Eliam and he will kill you. All right, so, and her husband is Uriah. So he just doesn't say, this is, this is who this is. He's like, he's like trying to put roadblocks up to be like, yo, this is who this lady is, pay attention. 
And Uriah, I mean, the story gets, it gets crazy. Uriah was a special soldier. He was one of David's fighting men. Uriah was one of David's mighty men. Like when Saul was chasing David before David was king, King Saul, David was being faithful to King Saul and Saul was trying to kill him. David had some good men around him. David had some faithful men, some loyal men around him that, that they would risk their life for him. In fact, if, if the arrows would come or the sword would come, they would willingly step in front of the sword so they would die instead of David. Uriah was one of these guys. It would be like your boy. It would be like, like somebody, it'd be like your best friend. It'd be like one of those closest people to you stabbing you in the back. That's how close Uriah was to David. So the servant is like, yo, bro, this is your boy's wife. Like, don't go there. So David sent messengers, verse 4, to go get her. David's already, he's not where he's supposed to be. His eyes are wandering. David is really messing up. She came to him and he slept with her. And then she went back home. And the woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I'm going to have your baby. (laughs) I mean, he didn't keep the secret very well, right? Like he wasn't like, you know, trying to text her, be like, yo, what's up? He, he, wasn't, he wasn't trying to hit her up on, on Instagram or something like that. No, 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 he, he was sending people. Like, he was like, yo, go check. Go check who this girl is. So she comes to the palace. Everybody knows why she's there. There's no secret. Like, what are you doing here, Bathsheba? Ah! You're going into the king's room. What's going to happen there? Like, like, nobody was wondering what was happening. Everybody knew what was going on, except for Uriah. Why? Because he's at battle. He's where he's supposed to be. So David goes into damage control. Verse 6, he sent this word to Joab, the leader of the army. Send me Uriah the Hittite. And so, so Joab sent him to David. Now, he's trying to do damage control, right? And so now he's like, he's like, Uriah, my boy, like, you're doing so good. Man, I love you, bro. I love you. Thank you for being loyal and faithful. You've been doing so good. Why don't you go home and get a warm cooked meal? Go sleep with your wife. Like, just, just, just go do that. And then we'll send you back off, you know, in a couple of days. No big deal. He tries it a couple of times. You know what Uriah, where he's found? He's found at the porch of the palace. He, he's found, he didn't never go home. Uriah, he was so faithful and loyal to the king that he wouldn't even go home to be with his wife. He stayed there. How could he go be with his wife when all of his other fighting mighty men are out there fighting a battle? So he would stay on the porch of the palace of the king. And in the morning, since nothing worked for David, He wrote a letter to Joab, and he sent it with Uriah. In it, he wrote, put Uriah out in the front where the fighting is fierce, 
then withdraw from him so he will be struck down and die. So, so things aren't going too well for David, is it? Like, like not where you're supposed to be. You're bored. You're doing nothing. You, you, your eyes are wandering. There's lust that's in your hearts. Like there's a lot of bad things happening like all in like really like fast motion, fast time. He's lying about it. He's had an affair. All of these things. He's got a baby. He's trying to cover it up by bringing him home. But since that didn't work, now he has to go the next step. How many know when you're trying to cover your own sin up, you're gonna, you end up trying to cover up too much. And there's a point where you got to say, I'm either going to stop or I'm just going to go as far as it takes to cover up my sin. And when you end up doing that, that's when there's a lot of other things behind here that you covered up that end up getting wrecked. All right, I'm just going, we're just going to talk today, okay? Um, and so... Uriah is carrying his death sentence and doesn't even know it. The king's order is for Uriah to go and to die. Someone who is loyal. Someone who has been so faithful to David. Full of character. Full of integrity. I mean, how dirty is this? I mean, this is dirty. Like, this is the low of lows. So verse 16 says, so while Joab had the city under siege, he put Uriah at a place where he knew the strongest defenders were. And when the men of the city came out and fought against Joab, some of the men in David's army fell. Moreover, Uriah, the Hittite, died. But it just wasn't Uriah who died. It just wasn't Uriah who paid the price for David's sin. No, the, the Bible says that other men also died that had nothing to do with the situation at all. But other people were hurt and injured and died because of David's actions. And so his plan worked, so he thinks. And the question is, is why do we need strategic friendships? Why do we need the right people in our lives. We need right people in our lives because sin is deceitful. Sin is deceitful. I mean, here's David, the guy who wrote the Psalms. Like We read the Psalms in the Old Testament. He wrote a lot of them. We love to sing them. We, we love to read about him. This is David, the guy that's known as a man after God's own hearts. Even better than that, this is the man who Jesus in the New Testament identifies himself with the son of David. It's this David, Jesus identifying with. How can someone like that be so capable of this. It's because sin is deceitful. This, the, the deception of sin is so strong. It deceives us and, and it makes us think that we couldn't do something like this. And maybe you said things like this, oh, I would never do that. Maybe not about this or maybe about something different, but maybe you've said before, oh, I would never do something like that. Oh, that's not my struggle. Oh, that's easy. Like, I'm good. I'm Gucci. No, 
we end up underestimating the power of the enemy. Can I tell you, don't do it. Don't underestimate the power of the enemy. You, you may have been walking with the Lord for 30 or 40 years. Can I tell you, do not underestimate the power of the enemy. The seeds of the worst of us are living in the best of us. We can't underestimate the enemy because the seeds of the worst of us are living in the best of us. The sins of Adam were passed down to all, right? Adam and Eve, they sinned in the beginning and their sins were passed down. His sins were passed down to all of us. And sin starts out as a seed. In fact, you probably don't even know it's there in the beginning. But before too long, you look back and you see a tree in your yard. You're like, whoa, where'd that come from? I didn't know that was there. Because there was roots taking place underground that you maybe didn't realize or people couldn't see. But then you began to have foundation problems and the sidewalk started to get cracked a little bit. And your driveway started to get a little And then maybe you even have some foundation issues around the house because of the roots that began to grow. And as the tree grew, the roots grew even wider and deeper. Tim Keller said, look, look in your life. Do you see self-pity, resentment, envy, and jealousy, hurt pride, self-centeredness? Don't you know what those can become if they fall in the right soil? They get watered properly, yet you're tolerating them. What in your life are you tolerating? What in your life are you like, ah, I'll be all right. Not a big deal. That if it grows, can become a big deal. I tell you this. Be careful what you water. Be careful of the seeds that you water. Because before you know it, you got something growing in the garden that you didn't know was there. That the enemy planted. We're all sinful people. We all are, have that nature in us. And so, be careful what you water. As Christians, we rationalize this sometimes. We're Christians, we're like, oh, we're under grace, it's good. I got Jesus, I'm fine. But how many people have to be hurt? How many people have to go through pain and suffering before we stop? How how many pastors and Christian leaders have to fall before we stop believing this lie, that, ah, it's just a little bit. It's not going to hurt me. I'm okay. If we don't think we are capable, I want you to know we're deceiving ourselves. You, me, all of us. 
I mean, a lifetime of work can be, be destroyed by one dumb decision. A marriage is destroyed by one dumb decision. Maybe you're here today and you got stuff going on in your marriage that your spouse doesn't even know about. Can I tell you, somebody needs to know your story, your struggles, and your secrets. And if it's not your spouse first, then find somebody that can help you walk through some stuff. Because when nobody knows our story and our struggles and our secrets, we end up not just hurting us, but we hurt other people. I feel it very strongly in this moment. Don't be afraid to tell somebody. Don't be afraid to find somebody that you can say, man, I need to talk to somebody. It could be here. It could be a counselor. You got to find somebody. But a lifetime of work can be destroyed by one dumb decision. It's like a Lego set, right? Anybody, any, anybody ever built a Lego set with your kids, right? It takes you like two, three days to build this nice hotel or this nice cityscape and everything's great. And then some of your friend's kids come over and then what happens? And then the Lego set is done. The pretty landscape, the pretty cityscape, the pretty hotel is broke. It's done. And it happens just like that for us in our lives as well. When we water the seed of sin, it will eventually grow into something we wish it never was. <coughs> in fact, it says, this guy, John Owen says, be killing sin or it will be killing you. Be killing sin or It'll be killing you. So how do we, how do we avoid this? We've got to have some strategic friendships. That's where our groups come into play. Like we just started groups this past week. I know your groups have been amazing this week. Like give yourselves a hand. Like I'm telling you, groups have been amazing. <coughs> if you want to find some strategic friendships, you got to get into a group. Like Sundays are great. But can I tell you that, that this, this size of our church on a Sunday morning is only going to continue to increase and only continue to grow. And, and, and it's going to be harder sometimes to connect on a Sunday. But can I tell you that when you're in a group, in a, a group of five or six or seven or eight people, and you're beginning just to do life together and, and, and share common interests together, can I tell you that in those moments, you might could find some strategic friendships? And that's what God does for David. David says, I got somebody for you. And so the Lord sent Nathan to David. And when he came to him, he said, there were two men in a certain town. He's telling them a story. One rich and the other poor. And the rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle. And it goes on to talk about that, that this, this, this visitor, he was coming through, he was hungry. And, and so that the rich man didn't take his cattle 
and his sheep to feed this, this person passing through. He took the poor man who only had one. He took that to feed this, this person coming through. And so in verse 5, David is burned with anger. He's like, how could somebody do this? In fact, as surely as the Lord lives, I mean, David is fiery mad. The man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. I need to realize that they lived under the Mosaic law at that time, and David got that part right. David got that part right where they had to pay four times over back for what they had done. But he begins to overreact on the death penalty. And here is David, a murderer, a liar, an adulterer, a hypocrite. You fill in the blank. You could probably figure out a couple more uh, words to say about David right here. But then Nathan said to David, you are that man. David was like, who, me? And Nathan's like, you are that man. David's like, are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? Like, like, he's like, yeah. Nathan's like, you are the dude. And this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I anointed you king over Israel. And I delivered you from the hand of Saul. It goes on to say, I did so much for you, David. And you did this. But Nathan doesn't come in accusing him. He doesn't come in saying, you dirty dog. I can't believe you did this. That's horrible. Yeah, that's bad. But Nathan didn't come in just like slamming him for his actions. He tells him a story so David could experience the shrewdness of grace. He comes in as a friend. He comes in strong telling him the story so David could begin to experience grace. Because where or when there's any hope at all of persuasion, of somebody seeing the error of their ways. Listen, we all have some error in our ways at times. It doesn't matter how old you are or how long you've been walking with Jesus, whether one day or 500 days or 5,000 days or whatever it may be. We all have some error in our ways at times. And so it doesn't, when there's any hope at all of persuasion, God goes for conviction and conversion, not condemnation. God goes for conviction, the Holy Spirit, and conversion, change, salvation, freedom. Not, you dirty dog, I can't believe you did this. Maybe that's been your experience with Christians or the church in the past. <clears throat> We've not done a very good job in the past at times of being a church or the church, capital C, that is opening arms up for people that need Jesus. And a lot of times in the past there have been people that say, nah, if that's Jesus, I don't want Jesus. You're just a bunch of people looking down on me or my friends or other people doing what we do. And the churches look down on people because of their past. Can I tell you that we all have a past? 
Can I tell you, you have a past, I have a past, there's things in my past I'm not proud of, probably you as well. It's great if you're saved today, you're like, whoo, thank you, Jesus. But we forgot what it was like when we needed Jesus the most. We forgot what it was like when we didn't have Jesus and you're in a service maybe like this one and, and Jesus and the Holy Spirit was dealing with you and you're like, man, like, man, I got to give my life to Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. We forget about that moment of conversion when nobody condemned us. We just felt the conviction and the power of the Holy Spirit and we said, Jesus, here we are. And gave our life to Jesus. Don't forget about those moments. In fact, John 3, 16, one of the most popular scriptures probably ever known to man, for God so loved the world that he gave Jesus, his one and only son, that if we would just would believe in him, we wouldn't perish, but we'd have everlasting life. But John 3, 17 is amazing as well. It says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. Neither Jesus, me, or this church is condemning you today saying, I can't believe you did that. No, we're going to be like Jesus and we're going to say, hey, we're going to allow the Holy Spirit to convict you. We're not going to play the Holy Spirit. We're not going to try to even attempt to be the Holy Spirit. I can't, I don't play a good Holy Spirit. I'm going to try and play the best Welby Pierce that I possibly can be. I'm going to try and be the best pastor, the best leader, the best dad, the best husband. I'm going to do me the best that I can do me, but I'm going to let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit. Because if I try to convict you, it's just going to be behavior change. You're just, it's just going to be, oh, he, there he is. I got to stop cussing. I got to stop doing this. I got to stop going here. I got to stop. I, I got to act like and pretend like I got it all together. I don't need you to front for me. In fact, I love, there, there's some conversations I have with some of the guys in this church. Can I tell you, I love the conversations that I have with some of the guys in this church because they, they don't front. They say some things that some of y'all be like, I can't believe you're talking to the pastor like that. Some of y'all might be like, I can't believe the pastor just said that. Because no one's trying to convict anybody. We're all in this thing together. We all need grace. Can I tell you that, that we gotta stop turning people away from Jesus? we got to stop turning people away from Christianity. Can I tell you, quit putting it out there on Facebook. Stop. Like a few years ago, it's Christmas time. Everybody's all up in arms about Starbucks. Happy holidays. Ugh. It's Merry Christmas. Don't take the Christ out of Christmas. And and we like stomp our feet and we curl our lip and we puff out our chest about a company that's not even a Christian company. Can I tell you that Starbucks isn't gonna be in heaven? I mean, coffee is somewhere, but, <laughs> but, but we get so righteously indignant about something that doesn't even matter about people that aren't even trying to follow Jesus. Even though when you stand in line, they have their Christmas blend on display, 
but we're mad that Merry Christmas isn't on the cup. And so we go to Facebook and we rant and we rave about how we're boycotting Starbucks. If you got to boycott every business in town because of their Christian or non-Christian values, can I tell you, you're going to stay at home? Like, stop, stop shopping at Amazon today. I'm preaching now. I'm going to throw it out there. Like, if you really are that concerned about Starbucks, then be concerned about Target and be concerned about Amazon. And you stop your consumerism with all those places. I don't know about you. I'll love me some Amazon Prime. Come on, somebody. Every day, all day. Let's go. Sometimes twice a day. You never know. Can I tell you, and I'll get off this, but we're going into an election year. Could you, for the love of God, not put that crap on Facebook? Can I tell you, you're not going to change somebody's mind by your negative attitude, whether it's for or against. It does not matter. Go vote. Get out there and vote for who you want to vote for. But for the love of God, don't put it on Facebook because nobody cares. In fact, you're turning people away from Jesus when they see all of that garbage on there. That's good preaching. I don't care who you are. That's good right there. I got to move quick. Start talking about Facebook. What we're doing is we're repelling people from Christ. And we don't mean it. But we're pushing people away instead of drawing them in. When you post something, let it be something that draws people in. I want you to know that we're committed as a church to love people in the middle of their sin. We're committed to loving people in the middle of their sin. I said we're a church that's committed to loving people that don't have it all together. If you want a nice, pretty, really clean church, this one may not be the one for you because I promise you the person you're sitting next to is jacked up. I promise you the other person on the other side is jacked up. I promise you uh, the person on the microphone right now is jacked up. We don't have it all together. This is a church that's going to love people right where they're at. We're going to walk with them and walk through life together. But if you want to be a part of a church that is about making a difference in other people's lives, that is going into marriages and seeing the brokenness and saying, we will walk through the pain with you. We will walk through the struggle with you. We'll walk through the story with you. We'll even help you share it if you want to begin to share it. We will help you walk through those things. Then you don't have to look any further. In fact, I even thought about changing our, our mission to Hope Rising, a church that is messy. Hope Rising, a church that is messy. I thought that might be better. So you got to get a Nathan. You got to get a Nathan in your life. Because we all need some people that will be real with us and honest with us and, and, and have, have the relational equity that when they need to pull some change out of your pocket and they say, hey, bro, this is, 
this is the real deal. You need some people like that in your life. And when we do, we have this assurance of pardon, this promise of forgiveness. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. David's eyes were open. David's, David's heart became repentant, not because Nathan came and, con and condemned him, but Nathan, through the power of God, allowed conviction to take place, and he didn't force it on David. David's heart was changed. I mean, look, David has broken like half the Ten Commandments in like one situation. I mean, if you're going to do it, you might as well do it good. I mean, David's like, yo, if I'm going to do it bad, I'm going to be bad. Like, let's get it, you know? But he still had some people around him that would love him through it. And you might think today, how is this even fair? Grace isn't fair. It's good. It's God. How's it fair that somebody that, that wrote parts of the Bible and, and did so many great things for God and has the title of a man after God's own heart, how can somebody like this experience grace? Jesus himself identifies himself with David. Everybody wanted David to be king. And everybody wanted Jesus, the king, to die. Chew on that. Everybody wanted David, the good-looking 17-year-old boy, to rise up and to be king and to walk into, in the anointing and the promise that God had promised him and spoken but Jesus, the King of Kings, everybody wanted to see dead. And Jesus died so that we, Davids, could live. Jesus died so that you and I could have life and life more abundantly. And that's good news today. So how do we do this? How do we, how do we make sure we have strategic friendships? You might say right friendships. How do we have somebody in our corner that knows our story and our struggles and our secrets? You gotta find somebody. But can I tell you, maybe the first person you need in your life is Jesus. If you have any type of friend, the first friend you need, if you don't have them, is Jesus. I'd rather walk through hardship and pain with Jesus than a lifetime of easy, easy street without him. I need Jesus in my life most and foremost. More than anything or anybody, Jesus has got to be number one. Now today, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes that maybe, maybe Jesus hasn't been number one and you've not given your life to Jesus.
I want you to know that we exist as a church, that people far from God experience new life in Christ. And, and I believe that today that, that he is offering you new life, that there's a tug on the inside of your heart. There's something that he's been speaking to you today that, that you should respond to him today. If you're here and you say, I've never given my life to Jesus, or, or maybe you're kind of like David where, where you're just far away from him and you need to, you need to draw back in today. With no one's talking or looking around, but you say, would you, would you say a prayer with me, Pastor Welby? I, I want you, I want to pray with you. And so would you raise your hand right now in this place? Would you say, that's me? Would you say a prayer for me today? Would you say a prayer with me today? Come on, lift your hand in this place. You say, that's me. I'm far from God. I see your hand, yeah. I, I see you. I'm far from God today. You can lift your hand and put it down, but I want to come back to him. I want to give him my life. I want to follow Jesus today. From this day forward, we want to help you with that. Anybody else today? Yeah. Could you say this prayer with me all across this place? Whether you raised your hand or you didn't, come on, say this with me. Lord Jesus, I give you my life. I want to follow you. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. Today, let my eyes be opened and my heart receptive for the plan you have for me. I believe you died for me, Jesus. And I believe you rose again. And I believe you're here today meeting me, changing me. I love you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on. Come on, Hope Rising. Come on, put your hands together. Thank you for joining us on the Hope Rising podcast. Visit us online at myhoperising.co. Thanks again for listening. Have a wonderful week.